Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Langley, florist with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand chum, the bearded legende, the one and only, it's the daddy-o, it's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 345, and thanks as always to everyone who tuned into last week's show. This week, we've got probably the last week where we're covering just one game for a while now because we're moving to Saturday, Tuesday. Uh, we've got seven fixtures in February. We've had one already. We've got another one, another two coming up this week. So um, we're going to be covering two games a week for the foreseeable future. But actually just waiting for us on the line right now, as m- most of you will be aware, it's Chairman Nigel Travis. So let's not muck around any further. Let's just crack on. And as always, we start with a word from our podcast sponsor. We certainly do. So the podcast is sponsored by Carol Angley Florists, who are based in Chinkford, and have been serving the borough of Waltham Forest and the surrounding area for more than 70 years. They've got a fantastic team of florists that are here for all your needs. They can do anything for you from wedding events, family funeral tributes, birthdays, anniversaries, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, and like we've said for the last couple of weeks, Valentine's Day is <laughs> on the way. So it's getting closer, so make sure not to get caught out there. And if you go in the shop or if you shop online, if you say you're a nose fan, you get 15% off. So if you're a player, you're a fan, member of staff, Anything to do with Orient, you get a lovely discount. You can get in touch by calling the shop on 0208 529 You can have a look at their range on their website, www.carolangley.co.uk, or you can find the team on social media on Instagram at Carolangley Florist, on Twitter at Carolangley E4, on Facebook, Carolangley Florist. Indeed. So let's move on to the uh, main event of this podcast, <laughs> arguably. Nigel, thanks very much indeed for coming on uh, the podcast at uh, a little bit of short notice. We really appreciate you, as always. And let's start with yesterday. Tell us your thoughts on the uh, on the Carlisle game yesterday. Well, uh, firstly, hi, guys. Uh, thank you for everything you do for the club. Uh, and thank you to everyone who listens to the Orient Outlook podcast. Uh, I want to remind everyone I'm a fan, first and foremost. And I think this is the most exciting time I've seen in my time with the club. So, you know, we had a run that was better than probably expected, uh, where we had 14 points out of 18 out of 18 potential in the last few weeks. Um, I was somewhat worried about Carlisle because I wasn't quite sure what team's going to turn up for them, uh, and it was the complete banana skin game. So I was worried going in. I thought we played absolutely fantastically. Um, the score, which, to be fair, their manager pointed out, completely flattered them. Um, 3-2, probably a 5 6 nothing win probably would have been more appropriate. So I was very happy. I thought the team played great. And when you look at the players on the pitch, and one or two who are currently injured, you know, what a team we're going to have next year and and years to come. So... I'm very excited. I'm also excited that I go to the UK later in the week, go to Barnsley, and I'll be at home for Northampton. But before that, we've got a focus on Paul Vale. Absolutely have. What are your thoughts on the season so far, Nigel? So currently ninth in League One. You must be happy with that. Not only happy, ecstatic. Um, I mean, we've said it before. We had to be realistic about going up a level, and it was difficult. I mean, I've said it on this show and others before, that the first four games I expected we'd get no points. We got one. So we started in a bit of a hole, um, but 
we've come together, which is coaching, management, our recruitment. Most of the time has been outstanding. I think the fans have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've just about sold out every game. You know, what else is there to wish for? And we've now got ourselves into a situation which, to be honest, going into the season, I would have been highly surprised by. And certainly after four games, I would have been even more surprised. But we have a chance to get into the playoffs. And I, I want to make it crystal clear, and I've read everything on social media, on the forum, etc. So I'm, I'm pretty well briefed. And my feeling is we're going to go for it. And uh, when I look at the last, uh, whatever it is, 17 games, um, we've still got more at home than away. At the end of the week, after we've played Barnsley and Port Vale, we will have 50% more home games than away games. If you take the last... I was listening to Talk Sport when I was driving around here this afternoon and, and they were talking about Arsenal and can they sustain it after their very good win against Liverpool. And they talked about the last game and the eight games and the pressure. If you actually look at the last game, we've got, yeah, one or two difficult ones, Peterborough, but most of them are against the teams at the bottom. So be crystal clear, we're going to go for it. Nigel, when you say go for it, how do you support that, bearing in mind that the transfer window has been and gone, so you can't bring in any new players? So how do you support Richie and how do you quote, go for it under that circumstance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the first thing is, people always say it's about the players. It isn't. It's about making sure that people have the right rest, they're supported in terms of facilities. Um, many clubs in our league, let's take an example, Port Vale. Many clubs in our league will go up there and back in the day. I believe we're going up on Monday and then playing the game on Tuesday. Uh, same with Barnsley. So that is preparing the players for the game. It's making sure they have all the right equipment at the training ground. It's making sure that the players who may be needed have had the right development. We can always call players back from loans. I mean, give you one player who hasn't actually appeared this year, Zecavirio, who we think is a real talent. You know, we're trying to make sure he gets as much pitch time as possible, both in friendly development games and also going out on loan so that he's ready if we need him. So there's a lot of things going into that. It's making sure that the players have the right psychological support. And something you probably never talked about, but we do employ a psychologist who's very good. She has very confidential discussions with players. So it's, it's things like that, and not every club does that. And it's the way you treat people. I mean, you know, I have what I think is a really good dialogue with just about every player. They text me. Good example, I texted Rule yesterday because he's worked so hard and I thought he was absolutely fabulous yesterday and, and he really deserved that goal. So it's all that type of communication. When players come to the club, we bring them in the right way and one of the new guys actually said what a warm welcome he'd received so it's a much bigger thing than just getting the players in the transfer window nice segue into our next question then with regards to the january transfer window tell us your thoughts on our on our dealings and our incomes and outgoings from the january transfer window overall you you satisfied with the business that we did yeah i i, I think it was good it wasn't spectacular um 
as Richard pointed out, I think we're all a bit frustrated with we had a couple of people we clearly identified, but we couldn't get them. Um, one, I was complete. Am I allowed to say pissed off on the show? Yes, of course. Anything you like. Okay. Nothing uh, stronger than all right, that. Okay. Well, I was absolutely effing pissed off with one other club and the way they acted. And in the week, I laid into their CEO big time. He probably won't speak to me again. Um, <laughs> Name. Because they really let us down. And I was frustrated. Richie was frustrated. And uh, I won't say the player because I don't think it's fair. And, you know, football's not always the best run business. Um, and I was really disappointed in that. And that led us to go to our number two target and three target. And it didn't work out as I think everyone's heard. So, but taking the window as a whole, we decided that there were several goals going into the window. One goal, which certainly a number of fans seem to have identified with, is if we could keep in um, Idris El Mazzouni in the building, we achieved that. Um, we also talked about buying him, but there was all kinds of complexities with his contract that wouldn't have facilitated that. Uh, I think we all know that Idris is very happy at the club um, and absolutely loves it, so that's good. We also recognise that there were a couple of players who hadn't played sufficiently that we wanted to give them a chance to develop further. Adam Thompson, who yesterday wrote me the nicest note you'll ever read, uh, we felt that he needed to move on and with him... Um, we found a club, Barnet. Um, Ed Turns was well debated and we chopped and changed our mind, to be honest. And then we decided by examining the kind of depth we had at the back that we could let Ed go back to be fair to him. He was a great contributor last year. Uh, I noted that, yes, he would crew, he played. They didn't let in a goal, so good on Ed. He's done a great job. And we wanted to also be fair to Brighton, who... We have a very good relationship with. And then we, we brought in Ollie O'Neill, which, as Richie said to me this morning, was probably the perfect piece of recruitment. Martin Ling identified him in the game against Fulham in the, used to be called Papa John's Trophy, now Bristol Street Motors Trophy. And Richie then watched him on film. We then spoke to Fulham. They let him come in and train with us. He played a few friendlies. And, you know, Richie and I talking this morning and think that the guy is going to be a great talent. He's, he's also a very bright kid. So we're really excited about him. And he adds to the roster of many highly talented kids that we have. So we think that was good. And, you know, the, the elephant in the room clearly is we didn't get the striker we wanted. I'm disappointed. Richie's disappointed. Martin's disappointed. But, you know, these two young guys we've come in we will nurture them support them we won't throw them in right away as you saw yesterday but just think we brought in uh shack um ford from watford no one knew who he was uh and i've i've a feeling based on all the insight i've got from other people that one or one of or even both of these young kids may well be the answer down the road they got pace they got talent so I describe it as a good, not spectacular window. You've mentioned you spoke to Richie Wellens this morning. Obviously, Richie's post-match yesterday 
caused a lot of controversy. I think it's fair to say amongst the fan base. If you read the forums, I've been on Twitter, you'll know kind of the action from the fan base. So I guess just to confirm, your relationship with Richie Willens is all good. There's no issues there, and he's happy with the current situation at the club. Okay, so yeah, firstly, Richie and I have a wonderful relationship. He has a wonderful relationship with Martin, and occasionally we all get frustrated. Um, as I said, I absolutely blasted this CEO of another club the other day. Probably I went over the top. So frustration sometimes is something we all have to deal with. We don't always deal with it. Football is a very emotional game and everything moves at 24-hour speed. Um, no, I have a great relationship with Richie. Um, I think he pointed out that we could improve some of our processes. He and I had that discussion. Uh, we want Richie to stay at the club for a long time. And prior to yesterday, we'd schedule the meeting when I'm next over to talk about this in depth with Martin. Um, Richie's agent and I uh, continue to have good discussions. Um, I want Richie to stay here a long time. I told him that again this morning. He came up with ideas, some of which we talked about before, some of which were new. Uh, and I know every, I've read everything that was said about yesterday. And, you know, we're a very open, transparent club. We're not a club like Blackburn, who apparently banned their manager from talking to the press before the game yesterday. We don't do things like that, you know. And, and we're a very open society and sometimes people say things they wish they hadn't. I mean, I've said things uh, talking to you and others that I think some of my board colleagues say, why do you say that? Uh, I think Kent's done a couple of things that he said to me, well, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> so Richie, Richie may have said things yesterday that he looks back and said, hmm, perhaps I shouldn't have said it. But that's life. And I think that's the kind of culture we've created. It's open. We try and be disciplined. We don't always achieve it. But there is nothing wrong in our relationship. And all Richie wants is us to succeed this year and to succeed in the future. He knows all about the finances. And to be honest, one of the things that may be surprising to people, he actually is one of the biggest advocates of ideas for improving the finances of the club. And he gave me two or three ideas this morning. Another thing that I read was that he's dissatisfied with his budget. That is categorically wrong. He knows exactly what the budget is. I asked him this morning if he had any issues with it. He clearly hasn't. So I think we're all good. But sometimes my wife says things I wish she hadn't said and <laughs> vice versa and all that. So this, this is a very small um, storm in a teapot. And the good thing is I've been on this show when we've been bottom of League 2 and couldn't score, or bottom of the, or middle of the National League. These are the good times. Let's embrace it. Definitely, Nigel. I think I have to ask the question, because a few people mentioned it. Obviously, Richie's interview went up, and it came down for about half an hour. It left a lot of people asking questions, and then it came yeah. back up again. Can you give any insight into what happened with that? Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. I think there was some technical issue, but I don't honestly, I'm not saying that's the reason. I don't honestly know. I read all that, but I, I hear all this immediately. I mean, we get a feed from Dave Victor, so I couldn't honestly tell you what happened. 
Just to come back to, to budgets, a question in relation to that. Um, obviously, we're, we're you know, staunch advocates of financial fair play. Are we at the limit for that side of things? I mean, I know you set a budget and, and some of the money, is, it's all been well spoken about, it's well trodden ground there, but are we at our FFP limit now in terms of that side of things? No. And, and this is going to change, I think, next year when we finally get the final proposal from the Premier League and we probably won't hit it even then. Um, a lot of clubs overspend... Uh, you, I mean, if you sat like I do and listened to some of the salaries paid in the Premier League, it's, it's quite amazing. Mm. But anyway, what I would say is we sat down earlier this year. We thought League Two, League One was going to be difficult coming up from League Two. We set a budget. Everyone agreed it. The one change we made, about 10% of it, we planned to hold back. But in the summer... We felt, well, there's a couple of players we wanted, so we spent over what we intended to originally, and we've ended up just about spot on the money that we budgeted for the year. Um, we are spending overall, out, this is not just a player budget, but outside, a lot more money than we expected this year. Um, you know, and our losses will improve, as I said in the financials, by about a million. We still like them to improve some more. But I have to say, one of the things I'm so happy about, we got our best grip on our finances since we owned the club. Steve Tate has come in. He came in from Ipswich before that Spurs. He really understands football finance. He's been absolutely brilliant. He's involved in all the football meetings we have. So I'm really I'm feeling very good about that. The team that Mark has, Mark Devlin under him, is fantastic. He's really done some excellent recruitment. So I feel we're in the best spot we've been since we bought the club. Um, but we could have spent more, to go up to the limit on FFP, but we decided we had to stick to the budget. Great stuff. That's fantastic to hear. So let's go to some listener questions. So we had a lot of listener questions and as you'd expect, there's a lot of correlation between a lot of the questions. So if we don't ask yours, if you're listening, don't worry, it will be covered off at some point. So DCLY123 is asking Nigel, is there a five-year plan for the club involving aiming for promotion? Okay, good question. Whatever, DC. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. <laughs> and by the way, I forgot something earlier. Can I say, I want to thank Aaron Drillon, who did a great job for us. I forgot to mention him on the transfer window. Um, he did have some injury problems, and he had a couple of clubs, as Richie pointed out, that didn't take him because of that. I'm so happy he's got a good assignment now at Swindon, so thank him for great service with Lane Orient. Second um, right, so... I think we talked about this before. We had the so-called uh, six-year plan. We achieved it. And I think I described it before. Is you, you achieve a plan and you say, mm, we've achieved this. What do we do now? Is, and it's a bigger issue, actually, than I think I realised. And I struggled with it. But next week, so not this week, but next week, the week after the Barnsley game, we will announce, and we'll do it through the right process, we're going to talk to the fan forum, which is the representatives of all the bodies, and tell them 
and ask them for their opinions. And I think you guys will probably get invited. Mm-hmm. And we're going to explain what we want to do in terms of investment, which is basically bringing in more investment, talk about the stadium needs for the future, the complexities of that, get input. We want to talk about the East Stand, which is a well-recognised problem. We want to talk about um, how we see the club in the future. I wouldn't say we've got a three- to four-year plan, guys. What I would say is we came into this year knowing that we probably had to stabilise and then stabilise again and then go for it. But I said if we're in the fortunate position of being close to the playoffs, we will go after promotion. Now, my wife has said to me, Several times, oh, do you really want to do that? Everyone loses 20 million in the championship. We actually did a quick PL the other day, and we think we can try and be relatively successful. I won't say any more than that, with a loss a bit like we're going to have this year. Now, that, that's still difficult. There's a lot of imponderables in that, but we want to build the club up. And I want to repeat what someone actually wrote on the forum. We have a group of young players that are fantastic. Now, some of them we could sell. And, you know, let's be open about that. Clubs like Peterborough have done a very good job on that. And my understanding is that Peterborough turned down a three million offer for Hector. Um, So we would have benefited a lot on that. Um, so I think we need to really keep developing players, build, bring them through our team. If they're successful, find ways to monetize them. Then that money comes back in and you build again. But I, I think we've got our heads around the fact that we can get up to the top, of, top tier of this league, not in terms of stadium, not in terms of revenue. So we're going to have to be cleverer and more efficient in how we do our recruitment, how we do our coaching, how we support the players, all the stuff I talked about before that never gets discussed. And I think we have to get ourselves in a situation where we give ourselves a chance to move up. In terms of uh, the future, is there any sort of contingency planning for manager succession due to Rich's success is another question from DCNLY123. Rich, I think it's a really good question because obviously the job that he's doing for us on the budget that he has compared to some of the other League One clubs and dare I say championship clubs, it's not... He's not going unnoticed, I don't think. So is there any kind of future succession planning if Richie were to leave us in however many years' time? Yeah, well, okay, so firstly, let me just go outside of Lake Norian. And I think you guys know this more than other people, but they may not know that. My background was in human resources. I've spent my whole life talking about succession planning, and I do it as chairman of a public company and two other big companies here in America. I'm obsessed with succession planning and talent management. So our first goal is to keep Richie. And we're going to do everything we can. And I think he would be the first to tell you, uh, and I didn't listen to his interview with you guys the other week, but I think he would say we all have a good relationship. Um, And we have a lot of fun as well. And Rich is a really talented guy beyond football. 
but we're not stupid. Um, so we have a succession plan. Martin has a succession plan. We talk about it. I would say Martin and I talk about it about every three weeks because it's something you need to keep right at the front of your mind. I mean, one of the big companies I'm chairman of, before I became chairman, we used to talk about talent once a year. When I became chairman, I said, we're going to talk about it every week. And, and we now do. And that company has been incredibly successful. So the same applies to football. It's the same with the players. I mean, you know, we're going to adopt some new approaches of looking at the players we have, the scholars we have, the academy, because we need to make sure we've got the best talent all the way through. And remember, our succession plan for players starts at the age of eight. And, and one of the things we're going to do is invest in some new infrastructure for where, all the, where the academy plays in the future and the women. So we'll talk about that next week. But, yeah, we take it very seriously. In fact, I don't think we could take it any more seriously. And we've got all the contingency plans. And just to be a dead horse, finally dead, one of the things that I've unfortunately seen in my life, I've had CEOs killed in plane crashes, I was at Inter, I was at Grand Met where Intercontinental Hotels had people die in Panam, Panam 103 over Lockerbie. I've had private plane crashes. I've seen tornadoes and hurricanes kill and ruin headquarters. Shit happens, so you have to be ready for it. And we obviously saw it at Lake Orient when Justin so sadly died. Um, in relation to picking up on a couple of things that you mentioned there... Um, Obviously, you're coming over next week. Is your plan, and, and along the succession planning lines, is your plan to offer Richie an, a new contract, whether it's improved or not is irrelevant, but perhaps an extension to its existing contract, which I think has only got another year and a bit left? Is, is that your intention to do, to have those sorts of conversations, or are you going to do well, that in the summer? My intention is to have a conversation with Richie. And a conversation means we'll have a conversation and then decide what actions we agree together. Mm-hmm. So I'm not coming over saying, here's a contract I'm going to pull out of my um, back pocket. It will be a conversation about what he wants, uh, how he sees things, how it affects his family. And, and I think one of the things we tried desperately to do is to accommodate Rich's family situation. Uh, and we want to be very supportive. We live in a different world. I remember 10 years ago, everyone had to be located in the same place. Mm. Everyone knows that Richie lives in Manchester. I think we've been uh, very understanding. We've worked with him. But at the same time, Richie's given everything back. No one works harder than Richie. I don't know how he sees all the games he sees. His knowledge of players is incredible. Um, And it's because he goes to see games uh, here, there and everywhere. He works phenomenally hard. Um, this morning, he said he got up, watched the game, then he had breakfast, uh, spent time with the family, went for a walk, and then on the train down, he's going to watch Paul Vale. I mean, that's the, that's the life of a football manager. So we will have the conversation and we will figure out what we're going to do, but our goal will be to maintain Richie at the club for a long time. You must have been comforted to know then that when he spoke to us a couple of weeks ago that he was thinking of moving or planning on moving his family down in the summer. 
yeah, uh, I didn't know he said that because I didn't listen to the interview. But yeah, we've had conversations about that, and you know, the only detail I'll give you is we're going to talk to him about how we can help him facilitate that. Lovely to hear it. Pandemonium, eighteen eighty one. So it's well documented. We increased the budget by approximately one million this season. Yet our financial results revealed a widening loss. What are the future plans for the playing budget in the twenty four slash twenty five? Sorry, what was the last bit? What are the future plans for the playing budget for next season? Oh, okay. Well, was, you know, without going into detailed numbers, Richard and I had a conversation about it this morning. He actually thought where we are is, is, is right and he thinks we can actually be more efficient next year. So I think, you know, we're going through, it seems ridiculous, but we're doing budget processes right now for next season. So that's the best we've ever been in terms of being ahead of the game. So it will be the same or more. We need to decide who's going to go out, who's going to come in, what kind of players we need, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that we talked about. And going back to the transfer window, yeah, I remember, I think it was three years ago, we all got absolutely crucified by the players we pulled in, no, two years ago, um, when Kenny was here. We've improved our processes a lot. Uh, can we get better? Absolutely. And Martin and I have talked about it. Kent, Matt, uh, and I have talked about it. So you can always improve. And my conversation with Richie this morning, he came up with some really good ideas. So we will try and make the budget as high as we can because that's the most important money we spend. And at the same time, because our budget cannot ever be, because of the size of the stadium, as big as Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday are going to come down, um, and all the clubs with big stadiums, we have to be very efficient and effective in how we spend that money. Rainbow Sailor tweeted us and said, yesterday was green football weekend. The question is, is, so what did the club do to make yesterday more greener than normal, and are there plans for more recycling bins in the ground? Uh, you said before, I'm going to punt that to Mark. Uh, I have no clue. Okay. <laughs> You've mentioned the ground a couple of times, Nigel. Billy Reed, 1989, is asking if there's any update on redeveloping Brisbane Road to add more capacity okay. or locating potential sites for a new stadium. So I know that's been mentioned on various podcasts and episodes. Any update on yeah, that or is that still where that's been? Yeah, that's going to come up next week when we talk about our plans before everyone gets excited we're not going to say we're moving to x location or anything like that be let's be realistic if we move to another location it's going to be a 10-year job based on brentford uh we have some restrictions on the east stand we're working with the borough very constructively we have a capital plan that's been put in place to create more space, better facilities in the East End for next season. We're hoping that that will enable us to take that stand up to capacity because it's currently restricted. Um, so we, it's a bit like the playing budget. Because we have a, a stadium that now seems small, we have to use it in the best way possible. So we will talk about that next week. But I think the realistic situation is we're going to be at the Brisbane Road site, the Gordon Stadium, 
for many years to come because you don't suddenly move from one place to another. So we have to maximize what we do with it and make sure we get as many people in as we can. And every time someone comes, um, we get the incremental spend, which is important to us. And I'll make the plea again that if you can't come, go on the ticket exchange and try and sell your ticket because it's not just the extra money we want, it's your voice as well. And I want to thank the fans for the noise they've made over the last few games. And they were absolutely incredible when we went to Reading last week. And I went to Bolton, and I know we were all a bit shocked, no one more than me, with the three goals in nine minutes. But the fans have been amazing. Our Coral 1972, asking a sort of similar sort of question, it says, how, the, how are the board going to generate the money for a new stadium that was mentioned in the last financial statement? Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about um, uh, next week in detail. Okay. Um, we're starting, just so you know, some discussions with potential investors. We think we're a very attractive club in London, but more details next week. Run and ref with GC says thank you to you and the board for all you do for the club and says is there an update regarding the training ground or hub for the academy and women to play their matches as it doesn't seem to have been any progress made. Uh, incorrect. A lot of progress. Um, we, I think Mark described this on somewhere. Um, we've, we've been talking to Chigwell School. We've got plans to redevelop it. We're working on a submission to Epping Forest Council um, and we're trying to get all that done by March. We're now in February because we have another potential site. Uh, we also have identified, I mentioned this earlier, a site where the women and the academy can play, uh, which will be an upgrade on what we've had previously. It will also, believe it or not, save us a lot of pitch hire money. Um, so I think we've made a lot of progress in both areas. Orient underscore Ed, uh, changing the subject from sort of Orient specifically, he says, a couple of years ago we announced a partnership with Hartford Athletic. Since then we haven't really heard anything and it seems not to exist. Can we get an update on that? Yeah. I think he's heading out there, so I think he's quite keen to know if there's any connection still. Yeah, no, there is. Bruce good friend of mine, he runs Hartford. Hartford, for those who don't know, are in the tier below the MLS, so it's the USL Premier, no, MLS Championship, that's what it's called. Um, and I agree, we haven't done much, but one of the things that Martin and I talked about, I think it was on Tuesday last week, we're thinking of taking a couple of our young players and sending them out together. And then we've got another team that's starting. Brett Johnson, who's a major shareholder in Ipswich and a good friend, uh, he's started a club that he asked me to invest in, actually, at Rhode Island, which, for those who don't know, their US geography is about an hour away. Um, so I'll, I'll approach uh, him. Um, and the reason for doing it all in the Northeast is, I think, you know, I can be part of making these players feel at home. America's a big country. So that's why Martin suggested two people coming over. Um, to be honest, we also at the time 
talked about, you know, exchanging merchandise and what have you. And I think your question gives me a kick to talk to Bruce about what we should do when their season starts next month. But um, it's not dead. We just haven't done much, to be honest. The Berkshire O asks about your thoughts on the disappointing FA Cup run and says also, are the plans still the same for next season to have a good run in the competition? Yeah, it's very frustrating. Everyone knows in the club how frustrated I am. Um, And, you know, since we own the club, we haven't really had a cup run. And Matt Porter points out, and I think he said it on on the Orient Hour the other day, that when we played Arsenal that year, 2011, we made two million. Well, that was two million then. It's probably three million now. That would make a big difference. And uh, so we need a cup run. Uh, I'm not quite sure what I have to do to get a cup run. But, uh, I mean, Richie knew it was very very much a focus for this year. Uh, and for some reason, I'd say the Chesterfield game was one of our worst performances of the year. But, you know, I've learned being chairman of Leighton Orient, you have a lot of things that uh, highs, and that was a relative low for this year. But, yeah, we need to improve. Also had a question that came in from someone that sits near us, Danny Raymond, said, what are the plans for the South Stand refurbishment? I don't know if this is something that you can um, speak about or if it's a one for Mark. Um Mark has previously mentioned uh, about a South Stand refurbishment. He's also said it would go on. It would be good to have two sets of toilet blocks working again. Uh, really for Mark, but I know they're definitely working on it. Okay. Buffalo Bill asks about contracts. Hey, hold on, no, no, I can't. I'm a Miami Dolphins supporter. I can't take a question from someone to do with Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> He is asking about contract lengths for players at the club, saying, are we moving towards longer contracts for players at the club or is the business model to primarily continue with two-year deals? Okay, so that's a thing we talk about a lot and I think you will see a gradual trend to longer contracts Um, and sometimes you get down to a situation where you say to a player, right, we'd like you to stay for a a two-and-a-half-year deal and then a one-year at the club option which is something that other clubs, notably Peterborough, do. Um, and sometimes people say, no. Well, perhaps we have to say, OK, well, then you don't come. I mean, we may have to be a bit harsher on that, but it's something we talk about a lot, and I think you'll see a, a steady move, particularly with the young talent we've got. I mean, I want to repeat for the third time. Just look at the talent. I mean, people like Max Sanders, Ethan Galbraith, uh, Dan Happy, Rul Satorio, um um, Jaden Sweeney um, I'm going to miss someone and I'll be embarrassed afterwards Ethan, but Jordan yeah, oh yeah Jordan yeah I mean my god what a season Jordan's had mm. yeah I mean he, he's suddenly become very dangerous in in the attacking areas <laughs> and uh, mm. yeah and 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 the way he intercepts now we've got so much talent we should be very happy Orion SC asks, says, thanks very much. Thanks for what you do for the club. They say, anything in the works to continue to grow the overseas supporter groups that have been established by the club? I'm thinking of ideas other clubs have used, like watch parties, social media support, local club banners, 
um, like Orient America, Orient Island, etc. T-shirt stickers, loads of other bits and bits and pieces. Little things could go a long way to help. Great question, and I think I must have sent that question in because it lays up a couple of things. Um, firstly, the fan clubs, we've probably been a bit slow, to be honest. Um, sorry, my wife's phoning me. I'm going to ignore it. Um, uh, I, I told her not to phone because I was doing this, but she she's already tried on my cell phone. Um, so anyway, what I'll say is um, that... <coughs> We probably need a bit more marketing help. And Mark and I talked about that, funny enough, on Friday. Secondly, um, I want to make sure that... Sorry about this. um, That we have a situation where as many overseas fans watch the game as possible. And one thing I've discovered, a lot of people I talk about seeing the games... Um, have basically found it difficult. They don't know where to go. So I've asked George and others at the club to make sure Tuesday night is a record streaming night. I'm going to take the opportunity here and say, please encourage your friends to watch Leighton Orient. If you're in the US, the game kicks off at 2.45 p.m. Um, And I want to see a, a, a large number because once people watch it two or three times, they're hooked. But I think we need to do more. But to be brutally honest, uh, it hasn't been the biggest priority. We've been dealing with things like the ticket exchange, pushing retail. But we do want to embrace and increase our overseas fans. And next year, we will have our international day again. We had a lot of questions from Oreo on the forum. I think most have been answered, but he did ask a question about TV screening for next season that kind of, I guess, links in with the streaming, saying, what's the latest on the TV screening of games for next season? Is it through TV game passes, or does the new Sky contract come into play? The new Sky contract comes into place in the UK. Overseas streaming stays as is, and that's why I'm keen to boost overseas streaming, because if we can get people hooked, they're hooked, hopefully for next year. Um, but it's the new Sky deal, which unfortunately possibly means that people who previously saw some of the games, like the Paul Vale game, won't be able to see it next year. Yeah, raw deal for fans in some cases, but I guess the club get better money. Nigel, we, we had loads of questions. I think if we haven't specifically um, asked Nigel your question, I think it's it's been covered in some way, shape or form by somebody else's question and, and Nigel's answers. So, Nigel, I think it just leaves us just to give you an opportunity. Thank you very much for your time. You've been on for nearly three quarters of an hour in the middle of your day, so really grateful to you. And I guess just to finish with a message to the Orient fans from yourself. Well, I remember about two years ago, we were here looking for a goal from somewhere um, and I think it was Ethan Coleman scored a goal at Colchester, which kind of turned the season around. Then Matt Harrell came in as interim manager and then Richie came in. So we've come a long way in two years. I'm so excited about what we have on the field. I know yesterday caused a bit of a rumpus. Well, that's a really small issue in the scale of things. The relationship between Richie Martin and I and others is fantastic. Um, it, football 
football's an emotional game. We all get a bit upset at times, including me. Um, and I would encourage everyone to feel that the club's going in the right direction. Thank everyone again for everything they do. I want to plead with people to turn up, be loud and proud. And if you're an overseas fan or this week you're in the UK, watch the game and let's get as many people watching the game on Tuesday because it means revenue for the club. And also, uh, we want to get new fans for the future. Leighton Orient's on its way. So that was our chat with Nigel Travis from uh, just now. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Nigel. And um, yeah, I think we broadly covered everything that we could. That was nearly three quarters of an hour uh, of that. And I guess you, th- there's more than one way to skin a cat. We could, uh. have, we could have asked questions or, you know, what lessons learned around, the, uh, you know, what, what's going on. But I guess there's only so much that Nigel can say and will say. And, and obviously from our perspective, we can ask the same question in different ways but it's just going to lead to the same answer so you know we hope that it's given you some comfort that um, that things are always an improved uh, there are improvements to be made and a work in progress and, and, and hopefully we've got answers for you as well and again if we didn't answer ask your question specifically it's because uh, it was covered in some way shape or form in a previous answer lovely done Mr Levy should we move on well said let's do it in. so supporters club updates two trips to tell you about the First one is this Tuesday, 6th of February. We are going off to Port Vale for a 7.45 kickoff. Coaches are leaving the ground at 2pm and will cost you £37 or if you're concession, £34 with kids under 16 going for £19. That's this Tuesday. And on Saturday, 10th of February, so this upcoming Saturday, we're off to Barnsley for a 3pm kickoff. Coaches leave at half eight for this one. And again, cost adults £37, concessions £34, kids under 16, £19. Please remember, these do not... Uh, include your match day ticket. So remember to get yourself a ticket for that one. So to book for these trips, you're going to have to call the travel line on 07507-539-579. Well done to the supporters club for all their amazing work that they do for the club and that they continue to do. Yeah, indeed. And I went in there yesterday and it was utterly heaving. It was fantastic in there yesterday. Real buzz about the place. Managed to get in before last orders and uh, it's cheap as chips in there. It's a fantastic place to be. So thanks to everybody for all your hard work uh, at the Supporters Club. So let's move on then. Two pieces of AOB for you this week. Congratulations to our very own Tom James and his family as they welcomed a baby boy into this world. And I think, you know, great for him generally, but I guess after the month he's had where he's lost his father, um, to have this blessing is is tremendous timing. So congratulations, Tom, to you and your family. I hope everybody, uh, mum and baby especially, are healthy and doing very well. Yes, seconded for me there. Also, second piece of AOB, just a shout out to young O's fan, Reese Cantor, who we bumped into after yesterday's match. It was great. I always love talking to like youngsters and what a time to be a young Orient fan, seeing some of the players that they have seen. So great to talk to Reese to find out about his favourite player, who unsurprisingly at the moment is Dan Adji or Ajay, or however we're pronouncing that <laughs> we at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, so many young O's fans. So Reese, great to meet you. Keep that smile on your face because from supporting Orient since I was your age, it's not always been the case that you can smile and have such a great time down the O's. If you've got a young O's fan, get in contact. Always great to know who their favourite players are and how they started following the club so Mr Levy it's been a busy week that was down at the O's we've got lots to talk about 
So let's start then with Happy Monday. Let's do it. The 29th of January. Congratulations to Richie, who was nominated as Manager of the Year, and also to Theo Archibald, who was nominated for the EFL Player of the Year at the 2024 London Football Awards. Winners will be announced at the ceremony that's taking place on Thursday, the 29th of February. So we wish you both every success. I can't see him not getting that as he got promoted as a champion. I'm not sure he's up against some big, big names on that. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he wins that. I'm sure Paul Smith won that award last year year at Orient. So, yeah, best of luck to them. We will keep you covered on the night of the ceremony and how they get on. Also, congratulations to former O's set-piece coach, who was named as first team manager of Hornchurch, Mr. Daryl McMahon. So, we wish Daryl all the best in his new venture. I'll be keeping an eye on Hornchurch FC. Come Indeed. on, the urchins. They were doing very. I think they were top of their league, and so I think there is obviously that moment. Their manager moved up. Sutton. Oh, we've gone to Sutton. You're right. Yeah. So he's got uh, got a moving feast already on Big there. Shoes so to uh, fill, yes. yeah. To who a Tuesday then the 30th of January the Young O's were in action. They were against Northampton Town in their Youth Alliance League. The O's took the lead just before half time as Emmanuel Quachi tapped home after the Cobblers keeper could only parry Mackay Welsh's shot. Yeah, Northampton equalised just shy of the hour marker despite plenty of exciting action and numerous opportunities. Both sides had to settle for a point as the game finished one all there. So unlucky, I know the point still isn't bad at all. And later in the day, the club announced the nominees for January's Goal of the Month award as follows. So we had Jordan Brown's goal versus Cambridge, Shaq Ford's goal against Portsmouth, Dan Adji's goal against Portsmouth and Dan Adji's goal against Bolton. For me, that was a close one between Shaq uh, and Dan versus Bolton going to have to go for Shaq for that one just a great mm. team goal lovely finish by Shaq so mm. for me right now at the time those got announced I fancied Shaq for that one we'll give you um, I guess what were your views on that yeah I mean they're all in their own right they're all good goals I think it was a tough one bit of a tougher one to choose they're not worldy goals they, they are good goals um, and I think that just shows the, the, the makeup of the squad that we've got um, being able to contribute, uh, I think, brilliant. Yeah, I, I couldn't really pick one out. I think Dan, with 50% of the options, I think it would have been unfortunate not to have got that. But, you know, take nothing away from Jordan or, or, or Shaq's goal as well. Uh, staying on Tuesday the 30th of January, late in the afternoon, rumours began circulating. I don't know how these rumours start or where they uh, originate from. Dan Adji is set to miss a vast part of the remainder of this season due to a hamstring injury, and it looked like he'd picked something up last week uh, at Reading. Um, but I don't know how these rumours start getting out about how long he's going to be out for. So, yeah, that sent the uh, social media space into a bit of a meltdown. Quite rightly so. More yeah. news on Dan Adji coming up later in the podcast. On Wednesday, the 31st of January, the club announced that defender Adam Thompson has joined Barnet alone until the end of the season. Richie went on to say, Tomo has worked incredibly hard this season to get himself back fit but he hasn't had the opportunities to play that he would like. He's a fantastic professional who has contributed a huge amount to this club on and off the pitch, and we fully respect his wishes to now go and play games. Barnett having a good season, and I'm sure that Tomo can go there and help them challenge for promotion. So, Billy Lejande, your views on Adam Thompson going to Barnett? Yeah, I've got a lot of um, time for Adam. Um, Had a good chat with him at the Starman last year. Really, really nice guy. So, I'm gutted for him that it didn't work out with his injuries. I think he'd... I think he'd sliced his finger off, he'd done his hamstring and then he came back from that and sliced Slice his finger his off finger. and dropped the weight on it in the gym. Um, so like, good luck to him. Go and get some match match time, go and get some pitch time. His contract with us ends at the end of the season. He needs to put himself in the shop window. He needs to get some minutes under his belt. Um, and it's a shame that he's been so injury prone throughout his time with us because I, th- I genuinely think that there is a 
you know, if he can stay fit, there is a decent defender in there. And at 31, you know, he's got a good few years left in him le- uh, left. So, you know, I wish him all the best. And, uh, you know, like uh, like Nigel said, you know, Barnett uh, drew yesterday one all, um, largely down to, to him that they didn't concede until the very last moment. So, yeah, good luck to him for you. Yeah, good chance for him to get himself fit. Um and get himself some match time. Like you said, we met him, but you know, he's I think he's only played like thirty four games in, in two and a half years and I guess that that speaks volumes. But if he can stay fit, like you said, good player. Still fairly young for a for a centre back. Still mm-hmm. should have a good few years left in him. Best of luck in, in his in his career once he leaves the club. So we had a, quite a few tweets without all wishing him the best, which was nice to see. Stephen Orient said, all the best, Adam, at Barnet, a great Rainbows ambassador for the short time we have been privileged to have him on board. Stephen Orient, uh, sorry, Kevin Cowler said, a top man who has had some terrible luck with injuries in E10, but a solid defender and a great role model for our youngsters. Good luck, Adam. Theo the Wyverns had so pleased when Adam joined. Southend rated him, and a few fans were proper salty when they heard he'd signed. Always gave us 100%. Remember the Doncaster game? Having not played for three months, he was the only centre-back to last the 90 and we kept the clean sheet. Good luck at Barnet and cheers, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on then to transfer deadline day, which was Thursday the 1st of February. A very quiet first 21 hours of deadline day, the final day, but the first piece of news came in just after 9 o'clock with the news that Ed Turns had been recalled by Brighton and was then immediately loaned back out to Crewe. So we wish Ed all the very best on his loan spell there and thank him for what he's done for us. For your views on him? Yeah, I mean, shame to see uh, Ed go, but probably in fairness, the right choice for the club if it frees up a loan space and also the right choice for Ed who wasn't even in the squad against Reading and was told he wouldn't probably be in the squad against Carlisle where he then drops the division and becomes an instant first team. I can't really argue for that for him. I think he probably counts himself a tad unfortunate. I don't think he'd done much this wrong this season, but... The form of Omar Beckel since he's been back in the team, alongside Dan Happy, they're never going to come out of the team. And obviously Brandon Cooper mm. joining the club on a permanent basis obviously pushes it down the pecking order a bit more. So he's fourth choice centre-back. We're only, you're only playing two at the moment. So, yeah, you can probably think he's unlucky, which he probably is. But I guess that's football and the way football works. I guess hindsight's a wonderful thing to have now with Omar Beckel seemingly getting injured yesterday. And Richie alluding to Brandon in his post-match interview probably starting... On Tuesday, Ed would have probably been on the bench for this Tuesday, but unless you've got future delving glasses that you're going to be able to go into, you're never going to know that. So, yeah, shame to see him go. That's football, that's life. Yeah. He's a great servant to Orient, spent pretty much a year with us from this time last year coming in to where he is now. Yeah. I think we've definitely improved him as a player twofold and wish him best of luck for the future. And, and, and who knows and on the back of it we've got a new fan called Ed Tams who's had a great time with that experience so win win it's worked really well yeah he did well for us I think he's a good player would like to have kept him but like you said he wants to play so good luck to him at crew um, he, he did very well for us last season I, I definitely saw liked what I saw especially as he's a left footed left uh, left sided centre he's a left footed naturally left footed player so yeah that's all good Casey Adams LOFC tweeted us and said good luck to the young man putting a shift for us every time he played I must say when I saw that he'd left I thought right that's another loan space that's now become available so I was kind of expecting a possibility that there might be two loans coming in because I thought that's weird that he's gone but not a defender coming in to replace him. Well, possibly. I guess we'll come to that later when we go through kind of who signed. But from that point, I thought, right, there's two hours of this deadline day gone. The first bit of movement has been one loan has gone. 
So essentially now there's two spaces mm. to film. And plus, which you'd alluded to, Brandon being let go and him signed on a permanent basis, which had freed up another loan space. So you could tell they were working on loan signings. Well, that was the kind of calculation that was coming around in my head. So no further news followed until about an hour and a half later, till 10.30, with the news that Aaron Drynan had joined Swindon Town permanently for an undisclosed fee. So for me, this one wasn't rumoured. It kind of came out of the blue. Obviously, we knew Carlisle were interested uh, and that had fallen through. Also news that Bradford were also interested as well. That had also fallen through. But look, Swindon Town, decent club for Aaron to go to. Chuffed he's been able to get a decent move and really hope he can have an injury-free couple of seasons. He deserves it. And again, there's a player there. We've seen that. There was a decent player in his first kind of three to four months where he joined us where he was just on fire. Looked like he was going to score every time the ball went forward. But just needs a good long run of games. Always gave 100%. I mean, his work rate was always exceptional and I think that's why Richie liked him so much. So again, wish him all the best for the future and hope he goes to Swindon and scores an absolute mm. bag full of goals. So, sorry to see him go, but again, off the wage bill, which is great. He goes and gets first in football, which is great for him. Great for both parties, no argument. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. Although I think we're in a minority here when, when we say that we think he's a good player. I, I liked him. I think there was a good player in there. And I think it's, it is maybe I'm slightly clouded in judgment because of the first sort of half a season that he had under yeah. Kenny Jacket with him and Harry Smith up top. And he was on double digits. I think it was on like 13 or 14 goals. That style and formation seemed to really work for him. And I don't think we've really had a manager who's come in and played that style since. So I think that's probably why it, it didn't work for him. And he's, he's had some injuries as well, which obviously hasn't helped him. And it went downhill from there. Confidence obviously took a bit of a knock in. And then the style of football wasn't right for him. And he's, he's a hard worker. And, it, you know, Richie doesn't have this kind of out-and-out striker that, that scores 20, 30 goals a season. Um, as as such so you know he is a good team player he is a good guy he's just had a baby so he's got to think of his long term options here Swindon offered him a two and a half year contract I think it was so he's got to take that and that, that's the security of his family kind of sorted for the next two and a half years so hopefully you know they signed McCurdy as well so hopefully there's might be something of a partnership or whoever else that they've got that they can put him with can can build that back up again he, he may be one of um, a few there but um, I don't know if he played came on as a sub yesterday got 15 minutes under his belt as they okay. lost 2-1 away to Newport so again lots of love and also just to say well done to Richie for putting a phone call in and, and, and helping him out there because he'd gone to Carlisle as is well known and, and that didn't materialise uh, and, he, and he'd gone to Bradford as well that didn't or Bradford rumoured to be interested but you know, and, and, and Richie in his post-match said about the fact that he'd played him at times and perhaps was responsible for one or yeah, two of his injuries. Point. So, you know, he he helped him out. So it just goes to show you the culture of our club. Most managers would be like, off you go, mate, sort yourself out um, because I don't need you or want you here, whatever. Um, but we didn't. We helped him on. We certainly did. Lots of pouring of love again on socials once the news was announced. Boats, he said, I love Trinan in the Kenny Jacket season. He was on fire. Last season, he also played a vital part in helping us win the league this season. Just not worked for him, and I wish Aaron well. Yeah, Jeff D. Gray, that's a new one for me. Welcome to the show uh, and the podcast, Jeff. Good luck, Aaron. Ran his heart out for James us. James O'Hagan said, even on bad runs, he always tried his hardest. Best of luck to him in his career and in fatherhood. Adam P.K. Upminster said, you can never knock a trier, and his work rate was phenomenal. But sadly for him, after the jacket era, his time at the O's was plighted 
by injuries and a lack of goals, which as a striker slash centre forward, he ultimately judged upon. I wish him all the best though. So at that point on transfer deadline day, it was two gone, none in. But then to end the day, just before 11pm, there's a bit of a teaser from the Orient Media team. Who doesn't love a teaser? They put yeah. one out there and then confirmed the news shortly after that we had signed attackers Caelan Edwards from Arsenal and Dan Adu Ajay from Bournemouth. That's going to be a bit of a tongue twister. Both on loan until the end of the season. So for me, I hadn't heard of either of them. Although when I saw the Edwards news, the Edwards news kind of broke a bit earlier. And I was thinking, okay, he looks like a good player. Again, Rumor, for yeah. his stats, for his youth level, they're very, very good. But, you know, had we recorded this episode a few years ago, when we had signed a Harry Kane, I'd be sitting here going, I haven't heard of Harry Kane. So I've learned not to judge a book by his cover through doing this podcast Spot and other things as well. Like I said, great records. And there must be fairly high hopes for him because these like first, this is, as I understand it, first time loans for both of those players. They're not going to League 2. They're not even touching the National League. They're going straight into League 1, which is pretty high level for your first senior yeah. men's spell. So I think they're both highly rated by their club. So it's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Really also, good it's good to see our club. You know, I think a lot of fans were like, why aren't we getting loans from the bigger clubs in the Premier League? Arsenal, one of the biggest London clubs, arguably. Yeah. Good to see us having a bit of dealings with Arsenal there. Also, Bournemouth, it might be a bit of an untapped resource as well. Good to see. Hopefully, these players both get a chance to show what they can do. I'm sure at some point, both of these players will get on the pitch mm. and get minutes due to the volume of games that are coming up in February. Like you said, February is absolutely jam-packed with game time. I'm sure we'll see them. Be interested to see what they do. But yeah, sign them. Fingers crossed. They deliver. Yeah. Look forward to it. You? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same. Not heard of them either, but people I've spoken to and heard about as as uh, Nigel um, may have mentioned earlier, you know, the, the Bournemouth guys is really well well thought of down there. His records and his statistics are, are immense. So I hope the step up from the under-23s isn't too much. But as someone in one of my WhatsApp groups said, you know, look at Shaq Ford. He hasn't found the step up. Yep. Uh, too much. I know he's at a championship club, but he'll obviously be playing amongst the most elite um, under twenty three squads. So, yeah. So hopefully it won't be too much of a, a step up for them. Absolutely. TXT Rev tweeted us said, "Could this be a repeat of the eighty eight eighty nine season when we took a young Arsenal player on loan?" Obviously alluding to Kevin Campbell, and it's, I think it's Kevin Campbell's birthday today. So oh, happy he still follows the podcast. He still likes a few tweets as old Kevin Campbell. He doesn't yes. follow just anyone. So. Kev, if you're listening, happy birthday, mate. Happy birthday, mate. David Carroll wanted watch K watch Kayan play for Arsenal youth teams a number of times, and he's a very promising talent who I think will make a great number ten. Lovely stuff, Heavy D. I did notice you in the beer stand yesterday, sitting in front of us, taunting the Carlisle fans. So thank you for your tweet there. So I guess just to round up, transfer deadline day, we had four players come in, three go out. So in came Brandon Cooper from Swansea on a perm. Ollie O'Neill from Fulham on a perm, like we just mentioned, Caden Edwards from Arsenal, and Dan Ajay from Bournemouth on loan. And then players out altogether. And then we saw Adam Thompson go to Bayern on loan, which recovered Ed Turns, leave his loan spell, and Aaron Drynan go to Swindon. I guess really legit legend. Just to cover it in terms of the whole of January, we've heard Nigel Travis's thoughts. We've obviously heard Martin Link's thoughts with the video he put out on Thursday evening. We've heard Richie Wellens' thoughts with his post match that we'll come on to. In a bit, let's have your thoughts that people are obviously dying to hear 
What are your no, thoughts on the What are your thoughts on the January transfer window? I think most people have switched off after um, after Nigel um, <laughs> uh, basically uh, stopped speaking. But if you're still listening, thank you, appreciate it. I think the fact that we've seen two experienced players and and obviously had turns leave and not be replaced, I think is a bit of a con- is a slight concern in terms of the depth of experience uh, that we just don't have anymore. Like Richie says in his post match, you know we've lost a few hundred league games and been replaced by two young lads who are coming out on loan for the first time which is which is a good point but Drinnen and Thompson both needed match time they needed to they needed to secure future for their family so we wish them uh, all the best but that being said if the two young strikers hit the ground running then my concerns will be alleviated if they come in and absolutely rip these these league one defenders and to be honest with you I'm not overly impressed with the defences in League One at the moment. I think anyone can do anyone. You look at Fleetwood yesterday, turned over Port Vale 3-0. You know, we turned over Portsmouth in their backyard 3-0. We beat Bolton in their backyard 1-0. So, you know, there are games where we can, um, in our backyard, sorry, 1-0. But, you know, there are games that anyone can beat anyone. So, you know, that that being said, um, you know, Brandon Cooper's a known quality, quality, quantity. He's not a not a concern to me I like the fact that we've gone and, and managed to get him on, on a permanent although that being said we've now only got three recognised centre backs so if one or two get injured you know Dan Happy's broken down not through his own thing but he's, he's got injuries and, and been out for a while Omar Beckles his groin is a little bit tight so it only takes that and then all of a sudden who's your centre backs well you're going to have to put a midfielder in there which is far from being yeah, ideal yeah. so we're left a little bit light so I get Rich's frustrations about letting Ed go if you're going to let him go, you've got to get someone in on a like-for-like basis, in my opinion. But that's 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 just my view. But generally, I am happy with the squad. I feel we've assembled a, a good quality, a good technical group of players as well. Um, so I have no concerns. You look at Ethan Galbraith playing at right-back for most of yesterday's game against Carlisle. And then um, the substitutions are made and then he's pushed into a 10 role. Um, and just how he adapts, he's just unbelievable. He's so good to watch, and and, and Jordan Brown as well. His his game has come on leaps and bounds, and Idris has stepped up. So we have got an Ollie O'Neill come on yesterday, and he was getting you out your seat. Yeah. We have got a genuinely good, talented squad and group of players here, and we'll have Dan Ajay to come back in the summer. We'll have Jordan Brown to come, uh, Jordan Graham. Graham, sorry, to come back in the summer. Max Sanders to come back in the summer, or maybe even sooner for him. Um, so, you know, the, the future is really bright and we ought to be really, really positive. I get Rich's frustrations that it didn't work out exactly how he wanted. I'm sure Martin and, and, and the rest of the board are the same. You, know, you could tell Nigel was absolutely furious with whoever that, that yeah. striker was in their, their club. Um, you know, but I think people have to remember we don't have a massive budget. We are in a league where you've got Derby's and Portsmouth's and Barnsley's and Bolton's and these type of ilk of... Um, of, of clubs where they're getting you know Charlton for example Charlton are a slight anomaly because of how badly they're doing although they've just appointed Nathan Jones oh, this so afternoon good appointment um, but they've got players there they've got good players there they've got a good squad there Carlisle are probably an, also an exception to the rule where they've got these brand new owners that are coming in and just like here's our bank account take what you want out of it and we'll yeah. sign whoever um, but we have to play within um, play within our means. You know, I don't have delusions of grandeur that Leighton Orient are a bigger club than what we actually are. We have a budget, we have a capacity, and we have to play within that. Uh, losing four million quid a year is like an eye-watering sum of money. I wouldn't like to lose that. We as fans can't afford to do that. So we really are lucky to have people like Nigel Travis 
who are fronting this, and don't get me wrong, he's not fronting, I wouldn't imagine, the whole amount. It's yeah, done amongst investors. Like, who wants to lose money? They, these successful people haven't been successful by losing in business. They've, they've done it by winning. So I think we need to be careful what we wish for and, and how hard and how flippant people can be about things when they're not going so well. We are, ten, we are ninth, sorry, in League yep. One, in our maiden season back in League One. Got a lot of, put a lot of stuff to be really positive about. For you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is the start of the regeneration. I feel like every couple of years you regenerate the squad. I feel like it happened in our first season back in League Two, where we kept the players in one National League for a year, and they naturally turned themselves over. I think that's starting to happen now with the loss of players like Drynan and Thompson, players who served the club well, and it's time for them to move on. And I think that 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 will continually happen a lot more uh, come the summer. But, you know, like I said, all three leavers really did endear themselves to the fans and they all leave with the best uh, support from the fan base. I mean, all, of all the incomings, again, I think you've touched upon it, but they're all very young. So obviously looking to build in the future, you know, with Brandon, who's 23 years old, Ollie, who's much younger. we will be interested to know who the senior forward is that Martin alluded to and who fell through. So that's one that's been on the fans' lips. It'd also be good to know at uh, this point what was going on with Adji, so at this point where we were writing his notes, we didn't know what was going on with Dan, but also good to see Solbrin stay, I mean at times there were rumours that he could end up going back to Borough, he didn't, he stayed with us, which is fantastic, and also Nigel alluded to, you know, keeping Idris, Idris again was linked with clubs and his loan spell and did yeah. manage to keep him, two very big boots to fill had we lost them, so the fact we've kept Brin and Idris <coughs> suits well, I think, I think those are the two positions to me that leap out for next summer. Already, you know, you've got the basis of Aggies here for next summer, Graham's here next year, Archibald's <clears> here next year, Brown's here next year, Galbraith's here next year, Sweeney's here next year, Happy, not sure, but obviously Cooper's here next year, regardless of that. Yeah, Beckles here next year, James, I think he's got another year left to go. For the most part, a lot, most of those players yeah. are looking at it and go. I expect quite a lot of players to leave to free up wages because I think the, well, I think we'll end up signing a keeper, a perm keeper. Lawrence Figure will come back. Strange thing to happen. Yeah. Who knows? But obviously that Idris, that's a big position to lose. And obviously he'll become available potentially in the summer. So yeah, all maybe, in all, maybe. for a January window, yeah. yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to sign star players or big big names? Love it, but again, it's late and orient. It's not. It's not yeah. gonna. It's not gonna happen. So, yeah, happy with it for the most part. Again, yeah. maybe a bit light in defence. Would I rather Ed turn to one of those young forwards? Yeah, probably. But who's not to say one of those young forwards is going to score the goal that puts someone into a playoff position mm. and does nothing for the rest of the season and is there with two minutes left in the penultimate game of the season or last and game of the season him on and, goes and gets a goal or nicks yeah. a goal in a at Wembley. Like you just don't know what's going to happen with football until yeah. you kind of look back on it. So. Yeah, could be better, but could be a lot worse as well. So, yeah, happy. Yeah, we have one, We had a lot of tweets that came in. One in particular from MS Orient said, "Great to see Dan Happy stay. Rumours he was off in this transfer window. Let's hope he signs that one-year extension. What a player!" Yeah, all right. So that is the transfer window covered. Moving on to Friday, the second of February, as the FA announced that Super Richie Wellens will be serving a free match touchline. Ban the statement read Rishi Wellens, late on its head coach, has been given a free match touchline ban and £2,000 fine for misconduct at their EFL League One game on Saturday, 20th of January, against Bolton. Wanderers went to say an independent regulatory commission imposed his sanctions following 
a hearing. Yeah, it seems a bit harsh to me, that one, but you expect nothing less from the governing body, really. However, as we've got Saturday, Tuesday for a little while, he's really only missing one week. That's those three games. So we've had one already. The second one will be Port Vale, and then the third one will be next Saturday away at Barnsley. I think so the fact there were two charges... Obviously, yeah. it might have been a bigger ban. Had it been one, I would have thought maybe a one game. I think with a f- two charges, I think they try to make more of an example. Yeah, of you, but yeah, you know. But if we if, lost. It, if it had happened in January, he would have missed three weeks worth. Yep. Which Good probably, job. I guess, it doesn't really matter. It's as long as it's short, isn't it? Because he's still yeah. missing three games. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, let's move on into Saturday, the third of February. Shaq Ford was awarded his goal of the month for January. They strike against Pompey. Well done, Shaq. What a season. Shaq is heaven. He think he won it in December. He's also going to win it in January. And I think after yesterday, he's probably <laughs> going to win it in February as well. <laughs> he's having his own little goal of the season, comp- goal of the month competition, yeah. isn't Shaq he? Shaq Ford is the new Tom James, mate. He's literally buying E.T. Clay. Yeah. He's buying all those trophies <laughs> from David. Uh, the young O's were in action. Uh, they were at home to Premier League Luton Town uh, with the match looking to end goalless. It was the O's who actually ended up winning the game 1-0 in an, uh, thanks to an 86-minute goal from substitute Uko Oji. So well done, to the young O's. I think that was the under-18s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It may not have been, but well done to those guys. Amazing to beat Luton Town, who've got yeah. a good, good set-up good academy structure. down yeah. there. Brilliant. So the main event on Saturday was the visit of Carlisle yeah. United. And before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 439 votes, and you voted as follows, with a tiny 8% of you thinking mm-hmm. the O's would lose this one. 11% thinking the O's would get a draw. With an overwhelming majority, it's 81% thinking the O's would get the win. So thank you for all your votes as always. A very confident O's fan base at the moment. Lovely to see. It's, yeah, I hope we don't get stung. That's the only thing. Uh, but anyway, so at 2 o'clock, the team was announced with Sol Brinning goal. Ethan Galbraith, Omar Beckles, Dan Happy, Tom James... Uh, completed the back lineup. El Mazzuni, Brown, Moncur, Ford, Archibald, and Ruel Satiriu up top. Completed the starting 11 with sub, subs as Howes, Hunt, Cooper, Prattley, O'Neill, Piggott, and Edwards. So that lineup meant there were two changes to last week's side. There's Reading, sorry, there's George Moncur, and Tom James came in in place of Jaden Sweeney, who missed out completely, and Dan Ajay who was left out due to his injury. And still at this point, hadn't been confirmed how long Dan was out for. So, Bede Lajarde at 2 o'clock yesterday. Yep. What are your views on that team? Well, I expected to see changes as Dan Ajay is injured. Uh, big, 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 big opportunity for George Monker. First start for him in a while. Um, he didn't leave in the window, I think, despite him having some options uh, available to him to leave. Uh, so, I think it's now is the time for him to really step up and show us what he can do. Um, only one of the two younger uh, deadline day signings uh, on the bench for us today. It'll be interesting to see if they do get a chance, what they can do. But yeah, overall, as expected for you. Yeah, as expected for me, obviously, the rumours that Aji was injured kind of confirmed when he wasn't yeah. in the squad. So my heart sank a little bit when I saw he wasn't in that squad because you're thinking, oh, that's pretty true. But, you know, I guess it's a strength of the squad where you see Satoya get pushed forward. You're like, well, actually, this was a massive opportunity for Real because he's not exactly. playing as a 10. Great or a seven. He's actually yeah. playing as the nine, which yeah. is where what we want him to play. Yeah. And then obviously, like you said, massive chance for George. Who's going to play as the... the well, there's, well, there's been other games in the week before against Reading where that 10 was available and went to Ruel. And you're thinking, George is probably a better option here. Well, my eyes anyway. But now obviously getting a chance due to Dan's injury. So, big chance for George to take. Hope he can take it. And obviously, Sweeney, who had a bit of a tough game that we covered last week, left out of the squad completely. I guess probably will feel a bit... 
agreed hard done to accept. Yeah. But again, you look at the bench and you go, Hunt and Cooper, solid defensive options. Prattley and O'Neill, decent midfield options. And Piggott and Edwards, you get one side, the experienced tall guy who can hold it up and head it if you need to. And then the flip side, you've got Edwards who's young, quick, agile, <coughs> mobile. So lots of different options on the bench. Mm. So yeah, happy that one. Yeah, absolutely. The Orienteer underscore, uh, so not the, the fanzine, uh, another account. Moncur over Edwards is shocking. I don't care if he's only trained once. He's still light years ahead of Moncur. A bit harsh on George yeah. Moncur. I feel Phil Vizi once at another lifeline for George that he quite simply has to take. I'm surprised the two new signings are on the bench without Dan. I would have spiced things up a bit. Come on, Orient. Yeah, M.E. Baker said, you can only assume the silence on the J is that you don't actually know how long he's going to be out for. Let's hope it isn't long. But knowing his luck, this season it probably is. Paul Redrum said, really disappointed that Dan is out injured. We're not sure how bad it is, just as he was showing what he is really all about. I would have put Galbraith in the middle with Sweeney, keeping his place up the O's. Len Chin Chin One said, Dan Ajay got injured Sorry, Dan Jay injured, so get a chance to see Kayan Edwards from the bench. Best chance to, to chase the points today with Carlisle as they struggle at the bottom. No doubt they will fight to win, but the O's creativity and speed should be enough to get something. We must be clinical in the box. Alright, so the match kicked off at a busy Brisbane Road. We've already looking for their fifth win in a row against bottom of the table, Carlisle, with Richie Wellens beginning his free match touchline suspension. Yeah, there was an early chance for the O's as the ball was lofted over the top and into the path of the on-running Theo Archibald whose chip over Harry Lewis went just wide. Yeah, we started off playing some nice stuff. It was good to see that. 17th minute in Jordan Brown to came for 30 yards with the ball taking a wicked deflection at game pace as Harry Lewis done well to claw the strike away. Yeah, that's their, one of their January transfer window signers. They're 20 minutes on the clock against the run of play. Carlisle ended up taking the lead. An initial weak clearance by Sol Brin um, saw the visitors attack, and although Brin got down well to stop a cross, he spilled the ball. Omar Beckles' clearance hit Vela from close range and ended up rebounding into the net to make it 1-0. I thought we were a bit unlucky there. Um, yeah, if Brin catches, if Brin holds that, Beckles doesn't need to clear it. Beckles clears it three, you know, a foot to the left. It misses Vela and, and, and goes out. It's just a bit unfortunate. It's a bit scrappy. I thought it was poor defending. I've got to be honest. Bryn's initial clearance isn't very good. He doesn't hold the cross. And Beckles is unaware of who's around him. Mm. So I think it, we've kind of got a bit spalt the last kind of five, six games. So it's a real high quality defending. But I think mm. in that one, it was just poor defending. I think no one's more surprised than Vela. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, he hasn't got a clue what's going on. No. And he kind of goes in and he doesn't know what's happened. And no. he goes, runs off and claims the goal. I think we've got to be a bit more on it in those situations. I'm not going to be too hard on them because they kept five clean sheets previously. Yeah, one goal in six games. And yeah. the one goal. But those are the little inadequacies where we need to come out a bit yeah. more. I guess we're quite lucky that happened yesterday in a game where we went to score three goals after it. If that's the only goal in the game, we're sitting here bemoaning our luck. We're going to have rubbish mm. our defence are. Mm. So. Yeah, but again, glad we kind of talked about that in the minority for the time being. So, the O's responded well in the 29th minute. George Moncur tested Lewis with a fierce shot, but Lewis made an acrobatic save to keep the effort out. Yeah, good move by us. George Moncur did very, very well in that move. But the O's found an equaliser in the 39th minute. Ball over the top from Ethan Galbraith. He found George Moncur, took the ball down. He's got such a good touch on him, George Moncur. He took that ball down superbly. He then held it up, found Shaq Ford. He's on running. Um, efforts made him perfectly time his shot and smashed it past Lewis into the far corner to make it one all. That's a good goal. Very good goal. I think Galbraith's ball to Moncur. Moncur's got a very sweet 
the best oh. part, best kind of phrase I can use is like sweet, like the way he kind of takes it down. It was a hard finish. Shaq Falls made it look very easy, although I didn't realise at the time it does take a slight deflection, tiny, tiny flick. deflection, which adds a bit pace on it. And I mean, no, no keepers getting that yeah. in the world, but beautiful strike from Shaq Ford, whose kind of value to the team goes up yeah. literally week by week. Beautiful strike. And again, what I really liked was scores the goal. He could go and do a knee slide and do a big celebration. He doesn't. He wants that ball. And he wants to get back on that centre spot. Yeah, amazing. Because he's sniffing blood now. And he's that confident he knows he's going to get another chance to score which obviously we'll come on to later mm. but I really like that kind of mentality it's like right we're back in this game now lads they're bottom we've got the crowd behind us let's go and get another one mm. but again great to see Monko get an assist for that one good goal mm. all round goal that was really good indeed so we uh, had a delightful move in the 42nd minute as Ethan Gale braves did a, a nice pass through to Ichiro Mazzuni whose cross was a bit too heavy George Moncur, who was waiting at the back post, I think now all the emphasis was on Orient, the Carlisle fans who had been a bit vocal since taking the lead, been a bit quieter, and you could tell we were trying to get the lead now before half time. Yeah, indeed we were. Three minutes of additional time and up on the referee's assistant board in the fifth minute, because uh, it's a minimum of three minutes. Uh, we went, we won a corner after a very good move initiated by Idris uh, El Mazzuni that saw uh, a shot sting Lewis's palms, the ball was put out for the corner, the corner. Uh, Tom James's corner was deep to the far post, headed back across goal, and uh, Shaq Ford was there to get on the end of it. I think it might have been Jordan it Brown. Was Jordan Brown. Uh, that got on the end of that, uh, and made no mistake from close range with his head to make it two one. The young score from a corner, with another that, corner, another set piece. Maybe. I mean, that was, we had a set piece coach to help us. To that was a good this. corner into the back post. I think Brown does very well to win the header, and Shaq Ford just a quick snap of his head to get the ball into that. Very yeah. basic. Lovely goal, love to see it. Great stuff. Indeed. Shaq, first double in an EFL match for Shaq Ford. Yeah, long may that continue. Why do singles when you can have doubles? Doubles, yeah. Lovely. Well, that being virtually the last action in the half, the referee blew his whistle as the O's went in 2-1 ahead at the break. Indeedy. Uh, 8,468 were in attendance with 800 and 28 away. Good good following support from them considering the trains were up the Swanee. Considering the trains were up the Swanee, considering they're bottom of the league... 10 points adrift, or at this point, I think nine points yeah, adrift yeah. of safety. The distance as well. I've done that trip multiple times, seeing my sister driven it. That is a long trip. Yeah. So, well played to those fans. There are no changes for the O's half time. Let's fast forward into the 55th minute, and Ethan Galbraith picked up a booking for time wasting. Bit early there, Ethan, on the old time wasting. Yeah, yeah. didn't need to really do that. Three <laughs> minutes later, a goal number three for the O's. As Theo Archibald did well to pick the pocket of a Carlisle player in the midfield, he held off the defender, drove forward, passed it to Ruel, who coolly stroked the ball into the bottom corner of Lewis's goal to make it 3-1. In real time, when I was watching that, I thought Ruel took so much time. I was a bit like, oh, just get it away, have a shot. But obviously, you know what he was doing. And on TV, he actually hasn't got that much time and actually places it very, very calmly into the far corner of the net. Great finish from Ruel, who had done, I think it's fair to say, in my eyes, nothing for the previous, whatever it was, 58 minutes. Yeah. But then if you're a number nine and you don't do anything for 58 minutes, but then you, that one chance that you get, you score, then that's all right. By me, we're talking about games where he's had more chances than not and missed them. Yep. That's probably a much harder chance than some of the ones he's missed this season. Yep. Great goal, great finish. Well done, Mr. Satiriou. That's football, isn't it? Yeah, of course that it is. is football. It's a lovely goal. Well done, Theo, for the excellent pass Yes. Uh, to find Ruel. Um, another goal 
that he probably had no right to score. And right. I mean that in the nicest possible way. The angles, the angles, the player in front of him, the goalkeeper that he had to beat, he's missed easier chances than that. So he does love a bit of a, a difficult goal, doesn't he? But he has, I love it, and good luck to him, he deserves it. Yeah, lovely goal there. I thought at that point the match was done. You already know that point. They weren't coming back from that. No way. So 68th minute in, Idris Elmazuni was booked for a foul on Maguire. He took one for the team there as Carlo was looking to break away. Yeah, indeed. A minute later, first substitution of the day. Thanks very much indeed to George Monker as he was replaced by Rob Hunt. Yeah, no problem with that sub at all. Monks gets a standing evasion as he goes off, as yep. he should do in 70 minutes. That would do him no kind. Uh, that would do him the world of good. And yeah. for his confidence as well, gets an assist, gets a standing ovation from the crowd. Absolutely. He'll right. love that. He'll love that. So obviously, tactically, that meant Hunt came into right back with Galbraith now being pushed into the centre centre. Hunt went left, Tom James went right, yeah, and then Galbraith went up top. Absolutely. Second and third subs followed. Five minutes later, Asphio Archer was replaced by Oli O'Neill and Mufsitiriu was replaced by Joe Piggott. So again, Oli getting 15 minutes to show what he can do. Theo getting 15 minutes off. I think we'll see more of those subs now with kind of Tuesday, Saturday games being played. But look, Oli O'Neill's quality so far from what we've seen. Piggott could give you a good 15 minutes for Sotiriu. Mm. And again, using game management and man management spot on there. Indeed. 81 minutes, Rob Hunt picked up a booking. They'd only been on a few minutes. He picked up a booking. Shaq Ford also went into the book two minutes later. Yeah, more subs followed. In the 84th minute, Zoma Beckles looked to have picked up an injury, was replaced by Brandon Cooper, whilst Shaq Ford was replaced by 10 more years, 10 more years, Darren Prattley. <laughs> 88 minutes on the clock. Big opportunity for Jordan Brown after Joe Piggott found him with a superb pass. Lewis made a comfortable save. Seems to go to kind of get the ball stuck under his feet, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. And the chance was kind of gone there. Yeah, a bit disappointing there. Five minutes of time waited on. And from a corner, Joe Piggott headed wide from close range. I'm not, I'm not watching any of these highlights back, so I don't know how bad the miss was. It looked pretty bad from where I was standing in the south stand. Indeed. Although it happened quite fast and he just moved his head to get it onto the ball, but... It looks it, like he, he, he wasn't expecting it, but he should have expected it. And he's just put, when it's easier to score, he's put it wide. Yes, I yeah. would agree with you on that one. Yeah, indeed. Um, three minutes into additional time. Now, Kalar were awarded a penalty as Jordan Brown was judged to have handled the ball. He, he, did, like, he, he did handle the ball. He did, but it looked like ball to hand rather than him sticking his hand out to stop it. But that's the rules these that's days. That's the rule. Across from the left, hits his hand. I mean, the pen. The ref points straight to the spot. Yeah, no, no it was no, right in front of him. No one appeals it. Again. No, that wasn't Maguire so stepped up. He did. Sempering the wrong way, made it 3 2. Yeah, so made it a bit of a squeaky bum time, but not too much. In the fifth minute of added time, Ethan Galbraith did brilliantly, as he had done all game, to be fair. Winning possession at very high up the pitch. Ball was played to Joe Piggott in the box, who was an acres of space, but he swung, missed the ball as it hit his standing leg, and the danger was cleared. A bit of a side air from the south. just want to go he just wants something to go in for the guy he just deserves it that's two chances he's had now that was the easier of the two because he was expecting that one and it was a ball on the floor and he's just missed it I think I'd have scored that to be honest with you I feel sorry for him because he you could just see it in his eyes and in his face afterwards as he's pulling away and he just laughed about it it's like just my luck's not in absolutely absolutely hopefully he gets another chance like that and buries it sooner rather than later but with no further action the referee brought the half to a close and the match with the O's victorious and rocking all over the world, blaring out over Brisbane Road. So we always play a snippet of Richie Wellens' post-match interview. I think there's been so much made of what was said. I'm pretty sure everyone's already heard it, but if they haven't, we're going to kind of play the piece that's been made a deal out of. So 
We are, I'm going to give you Richie's view kind of on the match. We're going to talk about Richie's view on the transfer window. So here's what Richie had to say post-match to Dave Victor. Richie, thanks for joining us. Seven or maybe let's go on. Tomo, I love Tomo to bits. He he needs to get games before the end of the season because he's not played for a long time. And if he didn't, then he's negotiating power come the end of the season would be very limited so we wanted to give him the best opportunity to play games and obviously think about his family in, in, in the summer and get the best contract he can same with Aaron um, Aaron was I didn't want to lose Driz because of the squad that we needed however he went up to Carlisle funny enough agreed a fee they pulled out because of his, his, his injury record then he went up to Bradford and signed for them but they pulled out because of his injury record but what people don't know is two of them four hamstrings were my fault where I've, I've remember Wimbledon at home after we draw four on the bounce it was a big game for us I think it was Wimbledon you know Keats is warm and it's a high percentage that he can break down so I took that gamble and we won the game but then obviously Drew's pays the consequences so I spoke to Swindon and obviously they took him and they've given him a longer deal so buzzing for him and his family in terms of Ed I didn't want to lose Ed it leaves us so light in centre backs um, but when you leave your business to go when you leave your business to do on transfer deadline days manic it's shocking you should never leave it so away so we have an opportunity to send Ed back and the only reason we're sending Ed back is because we think we can get a striker in an experienced striker has proven at a level we decide to make that happen and then the striker breaks down we've been chasing another striker previously for two three weeks but we was too slow that fell fell down and um, we ended up letting Ed go back and for me it was a mistake and the two that have come in yeah, again, we get to a certain time and you think, where do we go from here? Um, the two the two lads that, that some of the staff have watched, obviously they're young. Yeah, and for, for, for people to come in when they're very, very young and go into a first-team environment can be tough. So they've only trained one day, they both put, come in, smile on the face, look sharp, look quick um, and look ready to energise it. Again, I would have liked to have got... Um, Caden on the pitch today but he didn't quite present himself it'll be important when we get a full week's training to obviously be involved in Port Vale but um, they just need to find a feet it's always difficult for me first time loans is not really something that I would like to do you have to take first time loans in League 2 because that's the level that you're at and it's very difficult to, to get people that have had one or two loans so has the window been great? probably not because we've yeah. lost we've lost five, 500 plus games and we probably brought... I know Brandon was in, but we had Brandon anyway, so I don't see that as an extension to the squad. Um, we probably brought in no games. If you look at the two lads on deadline day, and Ollie, Ollie, Ollie O'Neill, then obviously Ollie made his debut last week against Reading. So, um, yeah, it was... It was. But I get where the club are coming from. Tough to go up. Very tough for us to get relegated. So I'll try and keep the purse strings tight and, and get some money back in so if you hadn't heard that that's what Richie had to say about the transfer window obviously that interview caused a massive reaction on social it went up it disappeared which I think was more of a reaction yeah. it, it went back up and that's what Richie had to say we've obviously had loads of questions from Nigel Travis that we asked him on that and I think it's fair to say Richie wasn't happy but it sounds like that situation has been spoken through with Nigel and it's all good from what we understand. All right, so the league table in that win sees the O's move up a place tonight. We've now played 29, so almost two-thirds of the way through the season. Why not 11? Draw 9, lost 9. 
goal difference at minus one. So had we won that 3-1, not see that penalty would be on a, a zero mm. goal difference, <laughs> but 42 points, which is fantastic. So, Bidilijande, your views on yesterday's game against Carlisle? Yeah, I don't think I've seen a more comfortable game, to be honest with you. I think it's been a while since we've seen such a... Like, Carlisle were absolutely poor, I thought. And you can tell which team were at the bottom of the league yeah. and which team were, were relatively safe or are safe. Bryn had nothing to do all game. I don't even recall him making a save. He couldn't... Well, apart from the save that he spilt that led to Beckham <laughs> clearing it against Vela. Um, first half hour, I, I did think we were very sharp. I, I can imagine Richie probably doing his nut on the balcony where he was watching the game yeah. like internally. I think he's probably raging because that wasn't the Orient side that we saw in the second half. Or even after we got Shaq had got the first goal in the 39th minute. I think we started going then, really. And then the second half... Um, yeah, I thought Galbraith was immense. His adaptability and versatility is, is unbelievable. Shaq Ford, everything he's touching at the moment is turning to goal for him. Yeah. He's on fire. Um, thought Archibald was excellent yesterday. Uh, did his defensive work well. Got worked hard. Got his crosses in nice and early. I think that's what looks like it's something he's been working on because that's suddenly a change in him that I've noticed that he's now getting his crosses in as early as he can and he's looking to flash them across goal, across the penalty area. Um, so um, hopefully someone can either get on the end of it and score it or it deflects in which is great George Moncur take a bow very good today very good indeed chased things down made himself available for passes wasn't hiding put himself out there he looked dangerous obviously too early to say if he's turned the corner he's had one good yeah, game good so not, not getting carried away here but if he carries on like that for the next few weeks I think he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet um, just because of his touch and his vision and his ability. Fantastic. O'Neill looked very dangerous for the 10-15 that he came on and we saw him. Very exciting talent um, as well. And like I said, uh, the scoreline ended up being a bit tighter than it probably should have been. And if Piggott would have scored right, right near the end and it would have been 4-2, I think that would have probably been justified. And we'd, like you said earlier, we'd have had a zero goal difference. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, not, not much to add on really. Professional performance, I think for the most part, in total control. Even mm. when we were goal down, we still dominated the ball. Ford, ever improving, I think it's fair to say. Turning into one of the first names on the team sheet. I think Theo never stopped running. Bags full of energy. Moncur had his best game in a long time. Looks like he's lost a bit of weight, I've got to be honest. A lot, True, of, a yeah. few of the players were a bit more toned. Lena. Lena. Coming Happy out, as well, I know. Coming out yeah, at Christmas as well, which, is, which isn't yeah. a bad thing at all. Rorel, like I said, didn't do much, but gets his goal. We'll be happy with that. Just want to see him a bit more involved in the actual game, getting involved with, with what's going on on the wings. Would have liked to see Edwards. I thought that was quite a good opportunity to bring Edwards on. Mm. But, you know, I'm sure we'll see him sooner rather than later. I'm not really sure where this appearance leaves Pickup. I've got to be honest, he misses two sitters. I don't know I don't know what you're taking from here. Like, if we if we need a goal on Tuesday, for example, if we're away to Port Bell, do you bring on the 30-year-old who is missing sitters? Or do you bring on the young, fearless kid who's 17, 18 years old who's, who's chomping at the bit to get on the pitch? I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation. Should we need a goal on Tuesday night? I don't know. I think I think there's some big decisions around that one. Mm. But, you know, I guess it's not going to get confidence any good leaving him out of the uh, starting eleven or, or the squad. But I don't know. At the moment, he was just wasting opportunities there. Had we been 1-0 down yesterday and he fluffs two of those chances, we're sitting there absolutely crucifying him. Mm. The rest of the night, we've covered it. I'm going to answer too much detail because we've won the game and it's, it's happy as Larry but had we not won that game well had we have been losing and that could have been the equalising goal that's what I'm saying yeah you're right that's a great point but look yeah. well done the boys decent momentum coming up now the only EFL 
unbeaten team in 2024. Love it. There's always a team who comes out of nowhere. We are top of the form table. We are top of the form table. table. There's a team who always comes out of nowhere. You can tell the board are invigorated, like we spoke to Nigel. You can tell Richie's leading the charge. The players are happy on the pitch. They all look like they're battling for one another. Good momentum building. Let's do it. Let's have it. Love it. Love it, indeed. So those were our views. We obviously got a huge amount of feedback after this match, thanks in part to Rich's post-match interview. We're going to read as many of these as we can, but we're reading most of them for balance. We don't necessarily agree with them. Janine Adelman, to your point earlier, tweeted and said, I don't know what the question is, but Piggott is not the answer. Great result in the end, however. Rory at Meat Pie said, superb overall. 3-2, massively flattered Carlisle. Could have been 6-0. Fort Moncur forward were excellent in the first half. Mm. Lots of good performances, but my God, Piggott, not good. <laughs> R. Coral1972 said both teams were poor in the first half until Ford turned the game on its head. After that, we were comfortable. If there's any chance of signing Ford in the summer, I hope the ball go for it. The boy's got quality. He has got quality. Matty LFC Evans uh, said seven unbeaten. Starting to look at the league table and believe more in a mid table mediocrity is achievable now. Next three games, if we get six points, would be a good statement for potential playoffs. Tom Davies, E17, said should have won by more, but by Moore, uh, but some uncharacteristic, by recent standards, defensive wobbliness kept Carlisle in it longer than they should have been. Big morale boost to get three in a game without Adji, though. Very good point. Great point. All there, different Tom. score. Oh, no, Shaq Ford obviously got, got a double. Race, All right, yeah. two different scores. Doyle underscore Hooper. It's a 3-2. Absolutely flattered Carlisle. Moncur ran his socks off and caused them problems. Ford and Galbraith were superb. Highlight was when you scored, and half the West End gave it to the miserable Git, who spent most of the first half screaming for him. To be sold. Oh, um, wow. I like it. I got to say, Galbraith was very good. There was points in the game where Galbraith, obviously right back, was moving centrally and just pinging the ball about. I don't think Carlo had done their homework on us because had they done that, they would know that Galbraith's I guess preferred position was to come centrally. But I thought Galbraith done that numerous times and really caused them problems. It was superb in doing the, so. The overload in midfield, yeah, absolutely. Painting Orient said, not quite sure how Carlisle connived to grab two goals, but it was an ideal game to see what the fringe players can do. To inform the rest of this season and into next, a clinical forward gets stronger by every game and some sublime moments by Galbraith, regardless of his position. Daniel underscore D44 says, slow start. Overall, a very good performance in which we should have been well clear. Great finish from Shaq for the first goal. But I thought Galbraith, Idris and Brown were superb. It was nice to see Moncur play well. Is it too late for a playoff push? Orient Matty said Carlisle were poor, but another goal win, another sorry, but another great win means we're looking up rather than down. Not sure if it's confidence or ability, but Pigger is awful. Bring on the new youngsters as subs next time instead. Well, I say, I think Pickett's hold-up play was actually pretty decent. Yeah. Like, the way he was, like, bringing the players in, he just couldn't finish yesterday. Yeah. So, hopefully, uh, finishes sooner rather than later. Zilla Chum 89 says a cracking first from Shaq and two good moves <clears> for the <throat> other two goals. Two mistakes led to their two goals. I have mistakes and we'll be knocking on the door of the playoffs. Puget looks like his confidence is gone. Hopefully the new loads work out. Otherwise, we're a bit tight up top. We're 10 points and goal difference off the playoff, the final playoff spot, which Stevenish held, uh, and they've got two games in hand over us. So, okay. yeah, it's not it's not insurmountable. Um, John W999 said, resilient and dominant performance today. I thought everyone was a 7 or 8 out of 10 today. Not sure, uh, not a scoreline, sorry, that in any way reflects how far ahead of Carlisle we were. Yeah, I agree with that. Derby 507 said, once again, we were sloppy in the first 15 minutes, but from then on, we bossed the first half. Second half, very much the same. Love Galbraith starting the runs. I think he's a very talented player. Mm. Idris was sublime in midfield, as was Brown. Shaq, rightly, man of the match. 
trouser techno. So compare Leighton Orient and Carlisle last season to this and you can see how much we have grown in one year. There were three disappointments for me. Firstly, we didn't score five the five goals we should have done as we were much better. Two, gifting Carlisle both goals. And three, the score 3-2 makes it seem close when it wasn't. Yeah, good shout. Orient Fan TV is a good performance. However, we could and should have won by a bigger margin. But why do we lower our playing standards when we play yeah. against teams at the foot of the table and raise them against teams at the top? If only we were consistent. But Ford, Brown, Galbraith... All good today. Agree. Les LK fifty three said or fifty two, sorry, said once we got level we bossed it. Should have been many more goals. Shout outs to Galbraith who is skillful and really won wasted at right back Moncur, who looks dangerous any time he gets the ball at his feet. And O'Neill, the Fulham boy who looks an absolute baller. You find it's O'Neill the Orient boy now, my friend. The Absolutely. Gaz said I thought Galbraith was immense this afternoon. Look at a great player. He was my man in a match, although Ford did take his goals really well. I'd give a close second to Galbraith. Steve Chaplin 4 said, The most one-sided 3-2 you'll ever see. We didn't really get out of second gear and did what we needed to do. I don't think Bryn had a shot to save as such. Um, it was the bizarre nature of the game. Uh, Carlisle were poor and looked nailed on for relegation. Strongo, 43, loves the stat. Martin says, First time we've scored two goals at the North End in a league game since Rochdale last February. Yeah. Pandemonium 1881 gets the penultimate word this week. Says, Brilliant start, nice tempo. Obviously worked out they were for the taking with decent balls splitting their centre-backs and or over the top. Felt like we should have scored at least one while on top. The odd lapse is at the back. One leads to a rather fluky goal though. Deservedly got ourselves in front through perseverance. Second half really quite sterile, especially when we got the third and they realised the game was done and we didn't have to chase or go for points that were already in the bag. 3-2, quite a flattering scoreline for them. Overall, not too bad at all. And a final word, and this goes to Gorillas1985. So they can't understand our fan base this season. Since we started the season, we've had Adji, Graham, Beckle, Sanders and Hunter injured. We were at ninth at the moment, looking forwards. Imagine a fully fit front four of O'Neill, Adji, Graham and Theo. We will be a force next year. Oh, great, great tweet, Lee. Good to see you yesterday as well. Do you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that we've read out? Let us know what you think by tweeting us. We're at Orient Outlook. We're also on email. We're orientoutlook at outlook.com. We're on um, Instagram as well. We're orient underscore outlook underscore podcast. And just search Facebook for Orient Outlook Podcast and you'll find our fan page. You certainly will. So Prediction League update, lots of you predicted 3-1 and that last minute penalty has really put a nails in the coffers <laughs> as we only had one mm. correct prediction. So well done to Matty L.O.C. Evans who did predict 3-2 and a scorer. So he's got four points. The meaning, the top of the prediction league is roughly the same as last week with Dave Brew, four, seven, nine, seven, six, nine, one, one, top on 22 points. Rio underscore Orient, second and 19 points, followed by Eastside Orient on 18 points. And with Dan William H, Paul R. Gregory and Steve Chaplin, four behind him on 17 points. So thanks for all your predictions and our league table can be found on our Facebook page. It certainly can. Sunday the 4th of February. Today as we record this, Shaq Ford was named and in the Football League Papers League One team of the day so well done to you beautiful stuff yeah. Shaq love to see it we've also got to say a massive thanks to Paul Fisher who can be found on Twitter at Paul S Fisher with F-I-S-C-H-E-R who sent us this report on the ladies game which was played this afternoon as follows so we were in action in the Great London Women's Premier League which finished Orient 2 Camden Town 2 the O's fell behind twice and equalised twice during a half-fought uh, match, having gone behind in the 26th minute, a goal from Shona Chitate Samariru, a typical 25-yard 
Yarder to the top corner for Shosho. Looked as though it could provide the platform for a winner, but it never came. No, it didn't. Camden found themselves in front in the 89th minute when the ball hit Courtney Miller, who'd been imperious in the centre of the O's defence, but it crossed the line for an own goal within seconds of the restart. Debut, debutant Chloe Cabu, who'd come off the subs bench just 15 minutes earlier, worked her way into a good position, got her shot away. The keeper failed to hold it and Madeline Wright was on hand to pounce on the loose ball and earn a point. This result has blown the league table wide open. Four or five teams are now in the hunt for the top spot. What a great match report. Thank you to Paul for that one. Yeah, really appreciate that. And hopefully, Paul, you'll be able to continue to help us uh, with that. That was held at Buckhurst Hill today. And so if you went to that, well done to you. So we are going to wrap this up now. Nearly an hour and three quarters. Obviously, three quarters of an hour of that was thanks to Nigel, which we are still grateful for. We're going to start by wrapping it up, as always, with the fantasy football. So there's been some games this weekend. How are we doing? Uh, There's lots of movement at the top of the fantasy football league. So Jonas Backland is now top of the fantasy football league of 1,416 points. Just two points ahead of Jamie Wellham who's only six points ahead of Josh Abrahams. So all to play for. Now, yeah. obviously, Man City are playing tomorrow, which I think a lot of people are waiting for points on. <laughs> I'm currently in 191st place. Okay, bit of a drop. Nathan Ake and a certain Harland, Harland to play against Brentford tomorrow. I'm pretty sure everyone's got Harland anyway, right? So, Captain. Uh, no, I had Watkins, who got me an insane amount of points. It's Villa ah, Beach, Sheffield United 5-0. Five five nil. Nil. So, yeah. yeah, if you're playing, go and have a look and see where you are in our table. And thank you for everyone to play. So... At one hour, 44 minutes, 30 seconds of this beast. Let's do positives and negatives of the week. Yeah, we've got quite a few positives, so let's rotate these ones. So we've obviously, we've moved up a place in the league now. We are now ninth, thanks to that win against Carlisle. Yeah, the unbeaten run in 2024 and beyond has continued. We have now won five and drawn two of our last seven. Like Paul said, we are top of the League One form table. For the last six games. In we those are, games, yeah. we've scored 11, conceded three. Love and life. Yeah, and two of them came yesterday. Uh, Shaq Ford, his goals, absolute pure quality. Insane goals, yeah. Like Pope, the, well, the first one was a good individual strike, strike and then yeah. the second was a po- proper poacher's goal in yeah. his head. So great to see. Next positive is the return of Rob Hunt. Great experience, fullback. Love to see it. Good time, good time as well. Several good performances um, as well. Uh, I think it's fair to say we've, we've picked out a few of them with Ethan and George uh, and Shaq as well. So yeah, we won't, won't go through the whole squad, but yeah, there were some good good performances yesterday. Yeah, to balance it out, we do also have four negatives. First up, Dan Adji. We didn't play the part in the Richie's interview where he said Dan is out for 12 weeks, which rules him out for the season. So big, big loss there for Orion. We probably would have covered more detail had we not had Nigel on and probably had not had Richie's comments on post-match against the transfer window. But that is a big loss. He scored four in his previous four games. He was becoming that talisman who we wanted and needed. That could be a big loss for us. It could be. Although Kate Keaton has got form for getting players back earlier than, than expected. Um, so you never know he may end up making the last couple of games of the season fingers crossed Uh, another negative the goals that we conceded against Carlisle were completely avoidable yeah two bad goals to concede next up Piggott's misses like we said we haven't really made a big deal out of him although big reaction on Twitter about his performance and Mm. like we said we could kind of look back at it and go well we won the game but like we said had those been point costing chances I think we'd be a lot more concerned and raving about him a lot more yeah and obviously the final one is Richard's punishment from the FA where he's got a three three match touchline ban and a £2,000 fine absolutely alright let's go on to the hero of the week so there could have been many this week as everyone knows there can only be one so this week's on and out of podcast hero of the week is no doubt about it this week Shaq Ford well done Shaq 
I mean, it could have been many. I think you know. I think got to give Eve from Galbraith a shout. Out. He was exceptional yesterday. I thought Idris also had a, a fantastic game. Yeah, Fielding drove Theo. at their defense all game. Jordan Brown another consistent performance. Monker, you could say, deserved it. Gets same. an assist in seventy minutes under his belt. But Shaq forward two goals, flying at the moment. Had to be him. It's next week's fixtures. Yeah, let's do it. Next week, the season is picking up now, fast and furious, as we've got two a week for the next few weeks. Uh, first up, we're off to Port Vale on Tuesday, the sixth of February. Safe journey to everyone who's travelling. Supporters club are running coaches. You can book on, as we mentioned at the top of the show, or just after at Nigel's interview, just after the forty-five minute mark. Um, Port Vale are twentieth in League One. They lost three 0 to at the time bottom. Rock bottom club Fleetwood Town. Their last five games, they've only won one, they've drawn one, and they've lost three of those. Then on Saturday, we're off up north to Barnsley. We certainly are. Barnsley are fifth in League One up the other end of the table. They drew one all away at Bolton. Devante Cole grabbing another goal for them. Last five, they've won one, three, sorry, drawn one and lost one. So if you go and have a safe journey, and don't forget to tweet us before, during, or after the match, I actually think that Port Vale game, it could be a potential number banana skin. Like you're looking yeah. at it and you're like, they got hammered a 3 0 at Fleetwood, which is a pretty terrible result yeah. considering Fleetwood hadn't won in a huge However, amount of games. Yeah. What will be going there thinking we should turn them over, which we should do. Hopefully, we will do, but that's going to be a difficult game. They'll be looking for reaction. I imagine quite a lot of that 100%. team will be changed for that game, and their fans will want a reaction as well. All right, so don't forget, sponsorship reminder in this one to get in touch with John and their fantastic team of experienced florists at Carol Langley. Give them a call on 0208. 529-4130 or get in contact via social media at Carol Angley E4 or Essex Biz on Twitter. They're on Instagram at Carol Angley Florist and they're also on Facebook at Carol Angley Florist. And like we have said, Valentine's Day is almost here so don't get yourselves caught out. Everyone, there's only a small amount of time left to get your flowers in and your orders into Carol Langley Florist. Yeah, just one point, just to go back to Port Vale. They bought in one, two, three, four. They bought in five new players. They bought in two centre-backs, two centre-midfielders and a winger. So clearly they needed bolstering. So I'm sure some of them will probably get some game time against us, unfortunately. But yeah, that is it. Thanks for joining us for episode number 345. As the January window, uh, transfer window slams shut, we had a late flurry of activity. Two highly regarded prospects from Premier League academies joined us with Ollie O'Neill and Brandon Cooper as Ed Turns went back to Brighton. And out went Adam Thompson and Aaron Drynan, for which we wish them all the best for their futures. On the pitch, though, we picked up another win, saw our unbeaten record in 2024 and just before continue against the poor Carlisle side, a really poor Carlisle side, actually. Season really starts to pick up in February with games starting to come thick and fast. We've got two a week for a while, as we said earlier, starting with a trip to Port Vale, followed by a trip to Barnsley, two on paper, very difficult away games. We look forward to covering in next week's podcast and hopefully we'll be talking about two more wins with the Orient Express rolling on fingers crossed so if you're listening on iTunes you can subscribe and give the podcast a 5 star rating we have 106 on iTunes which is very nice we'd love to get that to 110 by this time next week if you're listening on Spotify don't forget you can also give us a, a rate show rating again we've got 111 now on Spotify which is mm. lovely and you can also leave a comment on each episode so thanks to Dave Danu thanks to Johnny Epstein who are doing so on a weekly basis so if you listen on Spotify do that for us you won't regret it so you can also add your uh, to your favourites on any of your chosen podcast providers. All very simple. You can find us on all smart speakers. You can find us on the Fan Hub app. You can also find the podcast on YouTube. So listening to the podcast has literally never been easier. And you have an older relative, a loved one, 
an Orient chum, an Orient kid in your family, anyone who you think will like the podcast, grab their phones, their devices, download it for them and pass the pod. Indeed. So finally, thanks again to Nigel for coming on the podcast. He could quite easily have said no, but he never has done and he never will do and he's always very open and transparent with us. I think it's important to say the schedule's been published, so I think it's out there. We were due a player this evening. We wanted to speak to Dan Adji, which I think would have been an amazing interview. Due to Dan's circumstances changing, we were then offered Nigel Travis, which I thought was a, a pretty brave move from the club, given at this point the whole kind of outrage was happening five which is post-match so I think you've got to commend uh, Nigel for again having the confidence to come on the podcast and talk about how he really wants to go for it and just be again honest with the fan base That's I think there would have been plenty who would have turned yeah. away so thanks again to Nigel and the club for yeah. sorting that one out some things need to be kept in house because they're conversations that are private and confidential and you know the fans us fans are pretty sport because like we said earlier um other League One clubs and even League Two clubs don't get any access Great. to anything. They never get to hear from those that are making the decisions in the corridors of power at their clubs. But the fact that we get this, uh, luck, it is a luxury. It really is. And, and we don't take it for granted. I think anyone who's still with us at this point in the podcast probably knows that, as opposed to the people who've probably turned off yeah. when they finish oh, listening to Nigel. To Nigel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, massive thank you to Nigel and the club's media team. So we'll be back with episode 346 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.